Uh, Father God, we pray for your presence uh, in, this, uh, in this heated house. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would soak into us, uh, that you would uh, reduce the risks for our mortality, physical and spiritual. We pray that you would strengthen us and infuse us with health to do what we are designed to do in this world. Uh, knit us together this morning, Lord. We do pray for uh, a spirit of courage poured out, uh, a spirit of truth. Uh, build us up. We incline our hearts to receive from you by your spirit, Lord, in Christ's name. Everybody says, amen. Um, all right. Uh, I would say let's get warm up, but we're probably already warm, so let's go straight to your pop quiz today. Here you go. Get the brain juices flowing. Here's the question. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Go ahead. I'll give you eight seconds to think about it. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Some of you are kind of... uh, tap dancing around. My excuse for what? Come on, you know, your excuse, the excuse. You know, the thing that lets you off the hook for whatever. What is it? What's your excuse? The thing that lets you off the hook from either following through on what you should do or the thing that allows you to do what you know you shouldn't do. What's that excuse? We've all got at least one. All right, now, uh, if you want to brave and uh, if you're brave and want to shout out what your excuse is, go ahead. We will compare and contrast. What's your excuse? Let me hear some good ones. You're busy, right? How many said, well, I, I'm, I'm just too busy. I'm, I'm too busy to do that thing, or I'm so busy I can't do such and such, or I'm busy, man. I need a break. And we know what break means, don't we? Uh, we need a little breakdown, and then we allow ourselves to wander off the path. Sure, busy, and that's culturally acceptable, right? There is no excuse more culturally acceptable than, man, I'm just busy. All right, what else? What's your excuse? I'm too tired. Yeah. Goes with being busy. Not enough time. I sense a theme. Yeah, I do. Just a little bit's okay. All things in moderation. Yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do too much damage. After all, nobody's perfect, right? Sure, that's a great one. It's a great excuse. I like these. I can write a book on excuses. What else? What's your excuse? Yeah. It's somebody else's job. It's not mine. Or if I don't do anything, it will eventually be somebody else's job. Awesome. I'll just pretend to be asleep. Yeah, one more. Fear of making things worse. Yeah, fear of failure. I won't do it well anyway. That's a great one. That's an awesome one because you probably do suck. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so that can be applied very generally. That's awesome. That's an awesome excuse. All right, good. You guys did well in that. Give yourself a hand. We are powerful in excuses. All right, now a different question, a little more challenging. Uh, Here's pop quiz number two. What's the last thing you did that showed you were a strong person? Not the last, maybe a recent thing. uh, Something that you did that showed you were a strong person. 
Think about it. I will give you eight seconds. What's something you did fairly recently that showed that you were a strong person, that you had some strength? I already got an answer in the back. Hit. Helping, helping someone? Help, sure. Helping others. That's often up to good. Who else has got one? Anybody? What's that? You admitted you were wrong. That's a great one. Yeah. Having patience with your kid. Yeah. For those of you who don't have perfect kids. What's that? Oh, you went to treatment. You went to treatment. Yeah. Getting uh, your life squared away. Making some chemical adjustments. Following through on that. That's a... That's a pretty hardcore one. Yeah. You tried, tried doing something you'd never done before. Yeah. And since you generally suck, that was really scary. Right? That's exactly what we were talking about, right? Yeah. Because it might not have worked out. Did it work out? No. No! Yes! That's a... Uh, that's often the best kind of testimony. We call it a try testimony at Blue Water because even though it didn't work out, look, he's still alive. Smiling, punching away for Jesus. Um, you know, I ask, I've asked this question a fair uh, amount over the past uh, few weeks because we've been talking a lot in this series on the life of Paul about strength, what it takes to be strong, strength versus weakness. And the, weird, the reason we've been talking about that theme a lot is because Paul is just obsessed with that theme. If you read the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, and his letters make up the bulk of the New Testament, um, he's just harping on it all the time. Like, you got to be strong, you got to be strong, you got to be strong, you got to follow through. Um, you, have to, you have to withstand, uh, which uh, makes sense from a guy whose calling was, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. If part of your job description is to suffer a lot, well, personal strength is going to be a big deal to you. And, and Paul certainly found that to be true, and it's reflected in his writing. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked about what it takes to be a strong person generally, and one of the answers we came up with was you're a strong person when you can choose your responses in situations. When you choose how to respond as opposed to letting the circumstances dictate how you respond or your feelings dictate uh, how you respond. I think people of faith, followers of Jesus, might add just a little bit to that and say you're a strong person if you can keep on doing the right, the right thing and live out your calling in spite of the circumstance or in spite of how you feel. You have to stay on point. You cannot stray and you must stay focused on your purpose. I call that just staying on point in life. And when I ask people, well, what's the last thing you did to make that made you a strong person or showed that you a strong person? Almost everybody answers in a way uh, that is uh, what I call an in spite of answered. I did something good in spite of blank. I did something good in spite of how I felt. I, d I did this thing even though I was afraid of failure. I did this thing even though my circumstances made it very, very difficult. I did this thing even though it was embarrassing. Right? We, we do that instinctively. We measure personal strength with the phrase in spite of. 
And, uh, and so did Paul uh, in a lot of ways. You're a strong person if you can keep on doing the right thing and living out your calling no matter what. That's the kicker. And that's the kicker of the life of, fra- of faith. Oh, we talk a lot about living out your calling. Paul talks a lot about living out your calling. Ephesians 2. One of those memory verses, maybe some of you have already committed to heart. <clears throat> For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's who we are. If you ask the Apostle Paul who we are, he'd say, well, we're, we're God's workmanship. Uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, uh, who we are is we're made for a purpose. And once we are created in Christ Jesus, which is to say, once Jesus calls us, he always calls us to a purpose that God already has in mind. We've all been hired to do a job uh, in this life. That's how Paul says it. We talk about it a lot of blue water. Uh, you have a purpose. We are people of purpose. And uh, it's something to do with following through in that purpose in spite of or no matter what that really defines our strength as Christians or defines our maturity as Christians. Uh, I encounter a lot uh, in, in my work what I've come to call defensive Christians or sometimes consumer Christians, Christians uh, which is to say followers of Jesus, who they are just trying to believe and be kind generally. Um, they're just trying to believe the right things and kind of meet general requirements. Um, they often become consumers in this sense. They start to measure their maturity according to how discriminating they are in terms of the churches they attend or the people they hang out with or the music they listen to or, or whatever. You know, they ask themselves, am I satisfied with the level of excellence around me? You know, are these people really doing it for me? I mean, are they, really, are they really meeting my needs? Because if I'm a mature Christian, I will be with people who make me feel like a mature Christian, you know? Um, am, I, am I sitting under the right teaching? Um, every once in a while, someone will visit Blue Water and say, I'd really like to sit under your teaching for a season. And invariably, I say, oh, don't do that. Nobody sits here for long. <laughs> Uh, you, you want to get up, you want to move, you know, it's not, it's not the quality of the teaching you get, right? It's the quality of the follow-through you give, whatever level of teaching you have uh, that, that counts. That's what I mean by, by consumer Christians. It's very easy to, to slip into that defense or that consumerist mindset and be like, man, I feel stuck in life. I need to change anything but me, <laughs> Right? I need to change my circumstances or I need to be someplace that makes me feel different. And then I'll get my breakthrough. And there's something about that that's very human. And, uh, and Paul uh, writes uh, against that. He actually addresses that issue a lot in his constant talk about strength. He always defines strength as the ability to stay on purpose no matter who's around you, no matter what input you're getting, no matter how you Feel. One example of this comes up in, um, in 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians, uh, gosh, 11 and 12, he devotes almost two chapters to a tirade in 2 Corinthians uh, 11. He, well, 
you guys know about the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is one of, uh, in some ways, one of the most more successful churches that Paul planted in the Greek town of Corinth. Corinth was kind of this commercial city. It was incredibly wealthy. It was, I liken it to like, like San Francisco. Uh, it was incredibly wealthy. It was in, in the heart of, of commercial success. Property values were through the roof. Uh, and, and morally, it was famous for just being incredibly licentious, right? So it was wealth turned into an incredibly pleasure-seeking lifestyle. Um, and, and the city was famous uh, for that. But he planted a church in Corinth, and, and it got off... Uh, got going like gangbusters, and then he had real problems kind of keeping everybody on track. And, and we have not one but two long letters that Paul wrote to the church in, in Corinth. And in, in the second letter, in, in chapter 11, and what is a fairly long letter, uh, he, he brings up the issue of, uh, of uh, super apostles. So what happened to Paul is that Paul would would go do all the hard work. He would get the church planted. He would raise it up. He would stay there for months or in some cases a couple of years and get everything going and then he would leave. And then some other either well-meaning Christian or not so well-meaning false Christian would come along and say, hey, you know, we're glad that you got going, but now let me show you the correct way to do things now that Paul's out of the way. And there were guys that were going around to the the, the Gentile, the Greek churches that Paul was planting and saying, oh, Paul told you about Jesus, but he didn't tell you about the true way. And or, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to be very Jewish. You have to adopt the Jewish religion and Jewish customs and stuff like that. And, and that drove Paul nuts. But there was a second classification of person that followed Paul around. And Paul came to call them the super apostles, uh, which was a very sarcastic name, Paul uh, was deep into sarcasm on occasion, which makes me love him all the more. He called them super apostles. Once the church got established, they would come along and they would, and, and they would just sort of slot into a place uh, with great oration. Remember, this was a Greek city, and, and, and Greek, Greece valued highly the ability to, to, to give a, you know, an exciting teaching, you know, to be very confident and humorous and expansive in the way that you spoke. So these super apostles would come, and they were just great showmen. Uh, I don't know, maybe you can imagine someone today in Christendom who's just really, really successful for their presentations, right? I mean, they don't, they don't build things. They just go places and kind of present things. And, you know, there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But Paul objected to what these guys were trying to do. So, so he writes the Corinthians about these super apostles and, and says, you're just getting distracted by the show. Uh, and he says, uh, I am not in the least inferior. He said, I do not think I'm in the least inferior to these super apostles, although I am an untrained speaker. I don't speak as well as they do. Um, but I really don't think it, I really don't think I'm inferior to them. Maybe you should listen to my advice too. He says, kind of dripping with sarcasm. And then he goes on to I, I didn't put this in the program, but it's a very famous passage from Paul's recounting of some of his own experience. He he says, "You gladly put up with these fools since you are so wise." Now he's just starting to go off. In fact, 
You even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you and puts on airs or slaps you in the face. Essentially, he's saying these Christian superstars have come in and they've taken your money and, and they've pretended they know what you're talking about and you just lapped it up. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. We were too weak to exploit you like that. This is Paul being sarcastic. Come on, give me an amen, someone. Yeah. Shame, sarcasm, awesome discipleship tools. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I dare to boast about too. If you like impressive people, all right, let's go then, he says. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. We read about that story. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. Uh, In other words, you know, it's not how impressive you look. It's it's kind of what you overcome. Um, It's the no matter what. It's the in spite of's that define uh, who you are in the Lord. His, his point, you know, dripping with sarcasm and, and a, little bit of, a little bit of shaming, a little bit of tiger mom there. His point being that the capacity to sacrifice and produce is better than the capacity to look impressive and to entertain. And he's just amazed that Corinthians have been taken in by this weird sort of audience-based Christianity that gained popularity, you know, within a decade of, of the church being taken into Europe. And it's been with us uh, all along. Uh, he goes on uh, in the next chapter, and, and I did, I did uh, print this in, your, in a, your bulletin from 2 Corinthians 12. Um, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, 
things that no one is permitted to tell. In context, it's really clear that Paul is talking about himself here. He's talking in the third person, but he's like, yeah, I know a guy who got caught up into the highest heavens and got to see things that were so incredible that God doesn't even allow them to share them yet. I know a guy like that. Now he's kind of being a little, a little coy in the way he shares it. What he's saying is like, I've had awesome experiences I've had awesome supernatural experiences uh, in, in the Holy Spirit. I see things so great, I can't even tell you. <clears throat> I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. In other words, it's not the experiences that I have, it's the work that I do. It's the fruit that I produce and what I overcome along the way. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And probably what Paul is talking about here is, well, these super apostles or these uh, religious Jews that were following him around to try and wreck the churches that he had planted or try to take them over for their own use. And Paul called them thorns in the flesh, which was an old Hebrew phrase that referred to aggravating people. Does anybody have any thorns in the flesh in their lives? Anybody? Look to your left or right and say, yeah. Maybe you're sitting next to one. A messenger of Satan, Paul says. I, I love the guy because he was, he was capable of such creative insults. You know, the dude. This is a man you'd want to have a beer with. He was very real. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, or in, in the original Greek, my power is made perfect through weakness. You know, it's through what you overcome that God's power is really completed. Therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. It's clear here that Paul is talking about a very specific type of weakness because has Paul been weak? No, I mean, he's just been vulnerable, right? He's been exposed. He's been embarrassed. He's been strained beyond the point of breaking. That kind of weak. But he's never given up. That kind of strong. Right? He's never given up. He's never rested on his laurels. He's never rested on his success. You know, he just gets up every day and he goes to work. And that's the kind of strength that he's recommending to the, to the Corinthians. And it's that interplay between quote-unquote weakness and strength that you often see in Paul's letters. He always says, I would rather suffer, strain, fail, get rejected, be disrespected and belittled then accept a version of life that wasn't on point. I would rather be totally shipwrecked, literally or metaphorically, than not stay focused on purpose. 
and following through. <clears throat> Have you ever gotten to hang out uh, with a believer who really has given it all? Anybody? You know, like some minister who has really like, I mean, sacrificed their whole life for the sake of, of the mission? Anyone? I have. That's like one of the great wealths of my life, actually. You know, people like this? And uh, <clears throat> they are... Um, people sometimes say, well, what do, you do to, what do you do to get recharged? There is nothing more recharging to me than hanging out with these people. You know, and I, I've just had a few of them in my life. And I will literally travel thousands of miles to hang out with people like that if, if, if I have any kind of decent opportunity to do it. And just to kind of, just to, just to spend a few days talking story with them. Does anybody relate to that? You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, when, when you're hanging out with a person like that, who's just really, really given it all, you know, really sacrificed their life, really given up everything uh, for the mission, what you can talk about changes. <laughs> you know, there are certain conversations that just seem ridiculous when you sit and talk story with those sorts of people, right? It's like... You, you just, you, you kind of just talk about significant things, you know? And even if you're not talking about significant things, you're, it's a significant time somehow. What you can talk about changes when you're hanging out with people like that. What you can complain about entirely changes. And, and I think that's why I like hanging out with these people more because in a way it frees me from my own excuses. It gets me away from the toxin of my own excuses and complaints. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I mean, of, of course. I, I see now that I was just being uh, a self-pitying idiot. Certainly, certainly I can do more. Certainly I can find rest in the middle of my storms because look, you did. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get across to, to the Corinthians here. Um, when I hang out with people like that, even though, I mean, I guess in a way I, I feel inferior to them, I never feel condemned when, I with, when I'm with them. I only feel clarified. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, I don't feel condemned. I feel kind of convicted in a good way. It's like, <sighs> I can breathe again. I'm not buying into all the head games I was playing. I feel, I feel clear I feel clear in my head and my heart. And sometimes it's hard for me to get to that place on my own. And uh, there's, there's almost no service a friend can do for me that's greater than that clarification service. You know? What's my excuse? Ah, well, now I see. <laughs> I, I, really don't, I really don't have any. And I feel so much better knowing that. I feel so much better. I was seeking comfort in my excuses, but, you know, I, I was drifting into defensiveness or consumerism. I, I feel better now. I think that's what, what Paul is, is trying to do. Remember when Paul was called, uh, it was said of him, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And, and Paul certainly learned that suffering was part of it. So eventually he found a way to transcend the suffering and disappointments 
and just get on with his mission. Another famous verse. I'm, I'm picking famous memory verses today from Philippians 4. Usually people memorize Philippians 4.13, but this is 10 through 13. And Paul is writing the, the church in Philippi who had just sent him a gift. they just given him some money to support his ministry. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Okay, there might be a little sarcasm in that too. It's like, yeah, I remember when I suffered for you and planted your church and changed your life, and now at last you remembered. You know, so there might be a little dig in there. I just think Paul's cool. At last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So here he's given a little back. He's saying, I know that you were always concerned for me. I know that you always loved me. There was just, it was hard for us to connect. You know, the mail service back then wasn't what it is today. He's having a little fun with them. I'm not saying this because uh, I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Just highlight that in your Bible. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Um, How many of you know the secret of being content in any and all circumstances? Go ahead, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half, seven, (laughs) Eight, sort of. It, depend, it depends on the, on the day, right? So what I should do is preach a, preach a sermon on what that secret is, right? One, not sure I know. No, no, that's not true. I know, but I'm not very good at it. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to preach with authority uh, from a place that you haven't quite conquered yet. Um, but here's what I think. Here's what I think really I think, you know, it's sort, of, it's sort of Kung Fu Panda. I think, you know, it's a secret where there is no secret, right? I mean, what, what's the secret? Well, we, we've read a little bit of Paul now. I mean, the secret is, is living out your purpose no matter what, right? It's, it's, just, it's just persevering. It's just, it's just trusting that, you know, God's bigger than fill in the blank. You know, he's, he's learned the secret. He means it in the Hebrew sense of the word learn, not the Greek sense of the word learn. You know, I think a, a better translation might be, I have developed myself in the secret of being content in all circumstances. You know, I, I worked it out. I experienced it, and now I think I have the hang of it. I have the hang of being secret, of, of being content in, in, in all circumstances. Now, you know, do you have the hang of that yet? Well, I, I think that's a great measure for whether or not we're strong, you know? And then you have to unpack the word contentment. What does that mean? I mean, did he feel content when he was being beaten by sticks? I mean, you know, there's contentment and there's contentment. But I think he didn't panic that he was able to, in spite of, live, you know? Uh, to live out his purpose in spite of. I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, one final verse from 1 Corinthians 3, 
and then we'll leave it. Brothers and sisters, um, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it back in the day. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? I love that translation. Are you not acting like mere humans? Um, Here's Paul harping on the same thing in a different way. It's like, oh, you remember, remember when I when I first started discipling you when we first uh, uh, planted the church and and you were so young and I was just giving you little bits of teaching to kind of build you up. It's kind of like I was feeding you milk and now years have gone by and the church has grown and you know what? You're still a bunch of babies. You know, my paraphrase would be, oh, you still little babies. You know, again, Paul just kind of dripping with sarcasm and snark. Um, Although, you know, he's, he's clearly serious uh, about it. I, I want to coach you up, but you're still being a bunch of, of, of little infants. You're still behaving in a worldly way. It's that last phrase that just kills me. Uh, you know, are you not acting like mere humans? I mean, what's the answer to that? Well, yes, I'm human. And Paul would say, that's not good enough. And just kind of gives you perspective on the way this guy thought about things. You know, don't be a mere human. Don't, don't, just be, don't just be human. Be superhuman. Don't just be natural. Be supernatural. I mean, who taught you that the old limits still apply? Who taught you to live through comparison or, you know, through relational hang-ups or whatever? You're, what, like, that's not what we discussed you know, back in the day. You're, you're, more than, you're more than human. You're more than, than worldly. That's just an incredibly challenging thing for him to say, isn't it? Are you merely human? <laughs> Such a provocative phrase. Uh, on balance, when I read Paul's letters, I always think, I always think this, what's my excuse for not getting it done? You know, what, what, what's my excuse in what way, if I allowed myself to be merely human, um, what, am I, what am I complaining about? Because I'm a, I'm a great complainer. I am creative. I am deeply committed. I have, I have what I think is you know, certifiable genius when it comes to complaining about things. Um, I'm a great justifier, you know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a superb lawyer in my own defense. I mean, superb, off the charts. Um, I, I really think I'm gifted. Um, who am I comparing myself to? Something Paul brings up here to the Corinthians. You know, uh, this is what I mean by that. They have it easier, right? So, of course, they can do it. Um, Comparison always has some sort of excuse in it. Into what sinkhole of depressed discontentment have I sunk? 
because there's a way in which you can be discontented in life that's comforting and empowering and you start to use discontentment to just kind of feel good, you know, it becomes who you are. And as all of you regular know, regulars know, um, you know, depression is something that I've struggled with uh, mighty in life. I know its patterns. I know how it works. Um, so I'm quite capable of sinking uh, into it. But, you know, I, I read about how Paul lived and I read about what he said and, and I have to ask myself, you know, what's my excuse? What, because, you know, we, we tend to use them. What, what excuse am I using currently? You know, what, what's, what is it? And that's not a self-shaming question. That's not bad self-talk. I think if I do it right, it can be very clarifying, you know, because we all have excuses, don't we? And one of Paul's main discipleship themes was just to get people unburdened from their excuses. Are you living out your purpose? Are you actually making a difference to the people around you? If not, what's your excuse? Let's get it out of the way. What are you telling yourself that is blocking you? It's very important that we understand what it is because it's making you weak, right? Now, if you do it right, there may be something in life making you weak, but if you don't let it stop you, it's in that weakness that you'll actually experience a lot of triumph and strength from the Lord. You know, sometimes in our greatest weakness, we experience our greatest triumph. You know, it's in our greatest challenge that we often have our greatest breakthroughs and overcomings. And that's the mind readjustment that Paul is seeking to accomplish. Am I strong even though I'm weak, or am I just weak? Are you getting stuff done or not? Are you just dinking around on the edges? Are you, and let's list them, shall we? Are you too busy? Are you too tired? Uh, are you unskilled and afraid that you're going to fail? What is it? You know, what's, what's your excuse? Getting rid of it is just going to really, really help. What's your excuse from doing the things that you ought to do? Classic Paul. How many of you feel unburdened by that sermon? How many of you feel somewhat shamed by that sermon? Yeah, I mean, that's the danger, right? It's like, it's what, uh, what is intended to be a conviction uh, can sound a little bit like, like a guilt trip, um, like Alex was talking about earlier. Like you can be guilted into something, but really, um, if you respond to an actual calling, you almost always find clarification and freedom. That's just how the kingdom of heaven works. All right, let's pray. And uh, we're just going to give uh, 60 seconds and ask the Holy Spirit to bring some clarification. And I'm just going to ask the same, the same phrase, the same question that I asked at the beginning. Uh, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? I'm too... What? What excuse are you using to justify not doing what you should? 
what excuse are you using to justify doing what you shouldn't? Holy Spirit, um, please bring some clarification and illumination uh, so that uh, we can uh, grow strong and enjoy a life of potency and health, longevity, the joy of good work, well done, fearlessness and follow through. Speak, Lord.